Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome back to the second hour of Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and the sponsors for our second hour are Crocodile Gold, Gold Bullion Development, Legend Gold, formerly North Atlantic Resources, and we heard from Scott Waldy uh, earlier in today's show, the CEO of that company, Athabasca Uranium, uh, Gold and Minerals, and Western Pacific. Those are our sponsors. We thank each of them for making this show economically viable during the second hour of today's show. Well, today we're going to do something quite a bit different than we usually do. I've got my two partners with me, Roger Wiegand, who uh, writes uh, Trader Tracks, and Chen Lin, who writes a newsletter called uh, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Actually, both of these gentlemen put out fairly frequent uh, missives, uh, let's say buy and sell recommendations or situational alerts. Uh, they talk uh, frequently to their subscribers that way through the uh, through these email missives. And Chen in particular has put puts out a, a large number, maybe four, five, six on average a week, uh, recommendations and, and discussions with his with his uh, with his subscribers. I want to thank both of you, Roger and Chen, for being with me today. Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Jay. Good to have you. I'm glad you guys could spare some time. Uh, the way I would like to proceed here, I would like to look at several sectors, the precious metals sectors, uh, sector, the energy sector, and then, Chen, one of your areas of specialization, paper pulp, and then we have another, a couple of other topics. If we get to, we'll, we'll talk about them as well. Uh, but I'd like to start out on the precious metals sector uh, and, and first, Roger, uh, who has an expertise in technical analysis. Roger, perhaps you could talk to us a little bit about the gold and silver markets. How are they looking to you right now? Well, they're looking bullish all the way forward to May with a couple of midterm corrections. What happened when we were closed yesterday in the U.S. and Canada for, for trading, uh, Asia and Europe uh, bounced large on both gold and silver, uh, primarily on Middle Eastern problems in Libya. Uh, gold went up $15, $20 on overnight trading. It did come back, but the trading range in gold was $21 today, and also the silver trading was very large in that it traded $1.94 for a trading range. Now, mm. Just two years ago, silver had a limit up day of $1.50. That mm. limit up was removed two years ago, and today we exceeded that limit up by $0.44, cents, which is a fabulous day. Most importantly for silver, uh, we were stuck below $32.45. We broke through that today. The high was 34.33. We're now at 33.04. So we're hmm. solidly above the most recent resistance, and I think our next, pr next price for silver, Jay, is going to be $35.85. So, so next, the next thing is on gold, uh, we were looking at 1400 on the close. We touched 14.11 on a high. 14.07 is resistance now. That's a that's a <laughs> primary number, and then we're looking next at 14.15, and then back on up to 14.32, which was a recent high in gold. Um, okay, so we're seeing now, as as we're speaking right now, um, it's sort of an acceleration to the downside of the Dow Jones. It's down 210 points today. Uh, the other major indices are also down big. So before we uh, before we get to some of these individual stock picks, Roger, how are you seeing the uh, the equity markets right now? You know, we we talk to uh, I, I pay a lot of attention to Dr. Robert McHugh, as you do too, and his suggestion in the last week or so is we are nearing a major top. Do you see a major top in the making here the for major, equities in general? The major top is in the making, but as you know, you have steps and stairs down. I think the correction to date of about 200 points was mostly a reaction to the problems in the Middle East. Also, stocks were, in fact, overbought. There was no question that they are. And the S&Ps uh, had a high today of, of about near 134, excuse me, 1342. And they're at back at 11, uh, 11, 1311 right now. So they, they took a pretty good hit today, down 2.3% or 31 points on the futures. So what we're seeing is we're seeing a normal correction in stocks after running up very high. But the interesting thing that is a, is really goes along with this, Jay, is that the GDX, which we follow for the junior miners, most importantly for most of the, 
of the stocks in your letter, my letter, and maybe even some in Chen's, uh, the GDX is showing us on a monthly or weekly chart, it did a full ABC down and did a breakout on a wave one up. So despite the fact that the broader stock market is getting whacked today, uh, the monthly and the weekly charts on the GDX are indicating there's support and they're going to go the other way. They're going to go higher. All right. Well, that's uh, that's sort of the big picture outlook for the metals, precious metals section uh, and the uh, shares. Now, let's look at a couple of individual stock picks. Uh, Chen, Crocodile Gold, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my, Oceana Gold is really one that is a, a favorite of yours. Talk to us a little bit about Oceana Gold. Why do you like that one? Oh, it's basically the stable gold producer. You know, they're off New Zealand, and last year uh, they have a very good cash flow, uh, over 120 million, I believe, uh, in cash flow. And it, uh, it's a pretty stable production base, and you know, uh, 270, you know, thousand ounce of gold, and the cash cost this year a little bit higher, over 600, uh, because they're doing pre-stripping. I assume next year will come down. So it's a company generating a lot of cash, and with their production profile, uh, stock looks uh, quite undervalued. Um, and Chen, how does it look relative to some of its peers? Do you still see it as being undervalued uh, compared to others, uh, other gold mining companies that are producing at that level, generating, uh, let's say, in terms of its cash flow to its share price? Yeah, I, I, I would think so. I, I think they're, you know, at least, you know, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent undervalued. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, their market cap is only uh, 600-something, 680 million, you know, in market cap. Mm -hmm. And they're trading, you know, for, for their size of, of company, you know, they, they generate, you know, the, you know, the EBITDA, the cash price cash flow is very, very low. Plus, they have a new mine coming uh, in the Philippines. They will start up next year and then in production in 2013. That mine will cash cost will be below zero. So you know they basically increase their gold production by another 50 percent. So you know look at this, look at production pipeline. It's quite undervalued to me. So Chen, that is a is that a gold copper uh, project in in the Philippines? Yeah, that's right. They use the copper as a credit. So that and that's how gold. that's how they get below zero in their production of gold, and they would boost their production by another fifty percent starting next year. Starting two thousand thirteen. Oh, two thousand thirteen. Okay, all right, uh, Roger, you have a chart of Oceana in front of you. Yes, I do. And what's happened is it had a trading range of roughly Canadian two dollars to four dollars. Uh, it did come back from a high recently, from three seventy five, touched a low of two fifty. We're back up in a wave one. We're coming back in a wave two down now, which is normal. Wave three up is the big one. Fifty percent of a normal wave set up is in wave three, and that is what lines up with what we see on the GDX. So before too, many, too much time passes here, say just a few days, we should have a major move up in wave three. And typically they come back at least 50 percent, and more often than not 60 to 75 percent, because the juniors are, are more volatile. So we look at uh, today 273, uh, technically easily probably 325, then 350 and 375. Roger, if we are starting a, uh, a leg down in the equity markets, could you see that uh, upside move for, uh, for Oceana Gold and for the gold shares in general? I do. Even, because even, if, even if the major market heads down? Yeah, I, I do, Jay, because the GDX is showing that's what's going to happen. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it must happen, but what we're seeing here is a gradual pulling away of the gold and silver stocks away from the major broader market uh, non-precious metal stocks, and the charts are telling us that. Now, there may be a, not as much of a big jump in, in the next move up that, we, that we're seeing on the charts, but uh, we're at the time of year where between now and June, we should, in fact, uh, see two rallies and two pullbacks. And this looks like the first of the two rallies. Okay, let's go to another top pick of Chen's, and that's Pritium Resources. It trades PXZRF on the 
uh, on the over-the-counter in the U.S. Uh, Chen, uh, tell us why you like Pridium. Yeah, they just have a, a very good announcement today. Uh, they have a resource increase over 100% uh, in, their, in their boost jack mine, uh, I mean, uh, the deposit. So uh, what, what I like is that it's one of the largest uh, gold deposits in North America, fourth largest to be precise. Um, they, uh, in this kind of a deposit, usually command at least a million dollars in market cap. Uh, they're uh, they're below a million market cap right now. I think it's uh, probably seven, eight hundred something, eight hundred million uh, range. And then they have a very high grade uh, core deposit. Okay, that's in today's press release. You can see the Bruce Jack. They have a very high grade in the center. You're look. You're talking about um, you know seven grand, uh, some uh, some at some seven grand to thirteen grand per ton high grade center. So this can be a, a good starting pit. So they, they not only have those uh, low-grade, high tonnage like others, like Pebble, like uh, the uh, uh, the the other, um, like a uh, Seabridge deposit. They also have very high-grade core. So they have a you know battle of both worlds. So that means Chen that they could conceivably start the start mining this high-grade material and pay back any debt or get their return on capital back very, very quickly, I suppose, in yes, theory. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, and how and so you were saying this this stock still looks did it did it make a move today on that good on that good news or not? Yes, it, it went higher today but it's uh, coming down to a break even because okay. of the market thereof. With the general market decline. Uh, okay, Roger, have you pulled a chart on Pridium? I've got the chart in front of me and I agree with Chen on the company. I had the presentation and I think this is a fabulous stock and fabulous company. They had eight pages of glory holes in their geology. They raised $285 million in November. Uh, the property next door, Seabridge, has got 42 million ounces of gold. The trading range on this stock is 575 to 1150 And lucky me, I got it out to my people at $6.30 just before the big blast-off went up to, went up to over 11 Okay, how's it look on the chart, Roger? On the chart right now, we did the ABC down, and uh, it's it's holding at nine dollars and eighty-seven cents right now, Canadian, and it opened at ten fifty, so it's off a little bit, but it's holding nicely in my view. It could go as low as nine, but this is a big deal, Jay. I like this stock a lot. I see big things further down the road. They're going to drill seventy thousand meters which is $20 million worth of drilling this summer, and uh, you've got one of the top professionals in the industry running this company. Okay, Roger. Well, that was a pick of mine early on. Chen's uh, one of the first, probably the first person to pick it up. All of us have been early on this stock. We've done well with it so far. Let's go to Alexis Minerals, Chen. This is uh, a lower price stock. Talk to us about Alexis and why you like that one. Oh, it's, um, it's a company that actually gathered the whole... Uh, Silver District. They have a very high grade silver. Uh, their cash cost is below zero if you put, uh, you know, lead and zinc uh, the, uh, credit, base metal credit. Uh, grade is very high. You know, you're talking about uh, 2,000, you know, grand per ton uh, in silver grade. So one of the highest in the world. And they own the whole district. So they just start the mining. So they are generating a, a pretty nice uh, cash flow. They are. Uh, they currently production two um, two million ounce silver, but it gradually increased to three, four, five, and even higher. So uh, you're looking at um, a, a mining district can prove up a lot of ounce, very very high grade ounce uh, silver, and uh, can be a potentially world class deposit. So that's why I like it. I picked it up I think uh, two years ago at the dollar and change. Uh, right now it's over a dollar. Okay, Chen, that is Alex, uh, Alexco, uh, and it's a great pick. There's no doubt about it. Just uh, fairly typical of a lot of, a lot of your picks. I was uh, wondering about Alexis Minerals, A-X-S-M-F, and I forget what it is in the Toronto Exchange. Oh, it, it, Would you have a comment or two about that one? I know that well, one's a Yes, stock. yes. That's one of the gold stock, actually. Right now it's underwater uh, from my uh, purchase. Uh, uh -huh. They're still waiting for the financing. Uh, they mm -hmm. uh, talk, check the company. They say they still 
are making progress on the financing. So I'm just waiting for them to to finish up the financing. They have a new uh, new mine, uh, ninety thousand ounces per year. Uh, that's pretty large size of mine. Um, mm-hmm. At the cash cost, uh, like four hundred, five hundred type of uh, cash cost. So mm-hmm. if it's getting into production, the stock can can be a you know a few bagger. Uh, the key is just get the finance done. They they say they. Uh, they have made arrangement to have uh, uh, financing with no dilution. So I'm looking forward to see them close the financing. Yeah, and that's a very unique financing uh, at that. It would sort of maybe be uh, a new trend uh, in financing. So if, if they get it, uh, Chen, I agree, this this would be a very exciting stock. And it's selling, what, around 20 cents or something like that now? Below twenty cents. Uh, Below twenty cents. Uh, Roger, did you pull up a chart I mean, on that? AX. I do. I've got it. Uh, the last price today, sixteen point six cents. It opened at eighteen. It sold back a little bit today. Fifty-two week range, thirteen to forty-two cents. Uh, there's a key number at fifteen for support. It did a pop from a low at fifteen in August and went up to about twenty-seven, twenty-eight cents. It has sold back in a full five-wave correction, which is normal. It based at 15 cents. Now it's up at 16 and a half, and we're starting that uh, that first uh, wave one and two up in the stock. So I, I think this thing is on its way, despite the fact it sold a little bit today. All right, and one more in the precious metals sector here, Chen. I'd like to ask you about is Majescore Resources. Uh, Majescore Resources. Uh, in the U.S., it trades under the symbol MUXFF. What about Majescore, Chen? Yeah, this is a very exciting opportunity in Haiti. Okay, Newman CEO recently had an interview, and uh, he listed Haiti as one of the most exciting uh, upcoming mines for Newman. Okay, and uh, Majescore just right next to Newman's uh, mining claim. Uh, Majescore already received mining permits. Well, Newman is still applying for the mining permit, so uh, so you can see this. You know, this is a very interesting opportunity. The market cap less than 10 million, and if Newman Newman advance the project, people will look around. What you know, other company sitting next to Newman that will they will lead to Majesco. That's first thing. And Majesco itself already done historical exploration by United Nations and verified by German company. They have over one billion pound of copper, and it had a very high-grade gold, a quarter million ounce of gold at uh, 613 grand per ton. Uh, wow. so, uh, so you can sure. see it's a, already itself can be a, a world-class deposit, and then it sits right next to the new month's uh, most exciting mine. You, 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 can, you should listen to the CEO list interview by Newman. Uh, CEO recent interview, he, he mentioned Haiti a couple of times. That's their flagship uh, mine. So, the, so that's what excites me. You know, it's a very small company, a tiny market cap, but if you know it starts running, it can run very hard. It can be a huge return for a shareholder. Um, well, that's that's very interesting. Uh, Chen, did you say there's an interview that uh, I didn't catch that? Who did you say did oh, an interview? interview? By Newmont. Newmont CEO did an interview. Uh, actually, by CNN. Uh, I, uh-huh. I can send you the link later on. Uh, you can mm-hmm. see. Hear him saying, you know, that's new. The Haiti project is there. You know, very, one, you know, very exciting project. He said why they they like the project and so on and so forth. Very so interesting. So people can probably do a, a Google search and and find that interview. Uh, Roger, have you pulled a chart on Majescore? I've got it. Um, they had a, a small volume of ten thousand today, but they were up nearly five percent. And the interesting thing on this chart is. Uh, they were kind of flatlined through the last six the last six months of last year. Then they had a price pop from 20 to 25, and now it's trading sideways, but in a higher channel, with a low of about 23, 24 cents, to a high of about uh, oh 26, 27. So the whole channel moved up into a higher section. So this chart looks very positive. Uh, the shares outstanding it's showing at 39 million with a market cap at 9.4. So generally, this, the chart is stronger after basing out, so it looks like it's poised for a move up. Chen, does that sound right, 39 million shares? Yeah, their market cap is uh, 89 million. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention was one of 
the director was, was killed, unfortunately killed in the Haiti uh, earthquake. So there are oh. some Haiti shareholders are selling, okay, for some reason, for some family reasons, and which is unfortunate reason. So actually create a good opportunity for people to accumulate some position. Okay, and what's the stock selling at today? Uh, Either of you uh, gentlemen have it in front of you? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, market, it's uh, twenty three twenty four cents. Call it twenty three eighty nine. Okay, so those are some of Chen's uh, top picks. Actually, I might just uh, tell people the reason I, I focused on those stocks is because those are some that I happen to have in what I call my Chen account. You know, uh, just to remind our listeners, Chen has had a magnificent track record. We talk about it almost every week where he took $5,400 uh, in his wife's IRA uh, in 2002 and turned it into $1.5 million by the end of last year. I don't, haven't found too many people that can top that. So, you know, I like to go with winners. Both of these gentlemen are winners, but it's hard to find anybody who's done anything better than, than that. And Chen just keeps coming up with magnificent ideas. And those are four companies in the precious metals sector that Chen has recommended that I have in my IRA, so I had a special interest in asking for an update on those. Um, we want to have about 10 minutes before the break. I want to get into the energy stocks now. And Roger, I'm wondering if you can give us some sort of an overview, uh, maybe an ETF or some, some view, uh, a futures market or some view of, uh, of the oil, of, of, uh, oil to commodity right now, first of all. And then I maybe pulled up can... one of my favorites, Jay, which is a proxy for the energy industry, and that's ExxonMobil Corporation, XOM. The price today is $85.21. Uh, it has a steady line up at a 45-degree angle in price from last September when it came out of an inverted bull pattern, all from $60.00 all the way up to over $80. It did hit a high of 86.70. We have XOM calls in our letter that have paid 200% already, and I believe they're still open. They had huge volume today, 25,977, and the range is uh, uh, 56 to 85. So we're right on the top of the trading range. And not only that, uh, the price did break through a double top today above 85. Uh, to 86.70, and then it did a pullback. So they, you know, the the range is strong. Uh, the pressure is to the high side. Okay, so that's a proxy for the oil stocks in general, uh, sort of uh, integrated oil companies. Uh, Chen, you've picked up some some real dandies here. Uh, one of them is Leader Energy. Talk to us about Leader Energy. Uh, what's the stock selling at? What is its symbol? I have LDRXF in the U.S. market. What, um, what, what, uh, what do you know about Leader Energy that makes you like it so much? Yeah, um, it's, uh, Toronto is uh, LEA. Um, the, um, it's, a, it's a small cap energy uh, stock. Okay, so it's, a, it's working in Alberta, which is a very you know, hot area. There's a lot of shortage in, in their service. So they, they, they're just a simple stock that has been... You know, you look at the PE last quarter, they earned eight cents, and then in Q4, uh, the company came out with a new revenue in the last press release. If you calculate that, you see the Q4 will earn probably at least ten cents, and then stock trading at ninety something cents, ninety four, ninety three, ninety four cents. So you can calculate their PE. It's like a two or three. Uh, the calculate price to cash flow is about one. So mm-hmm. for energy service stock is. is it's very, very undervalued. Plus, the company seems to be very uh, smart. They have been, um, uh, you know, canceling convertibles, right? So they, they, uh, so they, they recently they just uh, go out and then buy buy their border, you know, a lot of convertible off the market. So I think that's uh, that's also a very good thing, very shareholder friendly uh, move. So they'll be reducing future dilution as a result of that, Chen. Exactly, they reduce the dilutions. And, and, you know, and also, uh, you know, increase uh, the earning per share. Yeah, now this is an oil service company. It's not a producer of oil, right? Exactly. It's an oil service company. Uh, what I learned was um, in the oil field, like first, like that lab usually is a producer, exploration company. Uh, second wave up usually is, um, uh, is those uh, service companies because as people getting uh, more confident oil prices going higher, those service companies tend to do well. 
for for them in particular, they're based in Alberta. You know, we have all these uh, issues in Middle East, Libya. So make Canadian actually oil more uh, important to to United States. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's and they're in the right place at right time. Well, that's definitely consistent with what Marshall Auerbach told us a little earlier in this show today, Chen, and he was suggesting, and I'm sure Roger would concur, that one of the best places to look is North America, and in particular Canada, with its uh, excellent resources. And not only does Canada have the resources, actually we have a lot of resources in the U.S. as well, but it can, the Canadians know how to use them, use those resources, know how to extract them, and they're much more friendly towards it, where in the U.S. it's very difficult uh, for environmental reasons, etc. Nobody wants them in their backyard. Canadians are, are really the place to be. Uh, Roger, do you have a chart on uh, Leader Energy? I do. I've got it up, and it's 94 cents today. It did open at a dollar eight and came back on profit taking. This is a beautiful chart. It was flatlined all the way through October last year, and then, like Chen says, you know your service companies follow on in a second phase. And that's exactly what happened here. This stock went up from about 23, 24 cents. All the way up to a high of a dollar eight. Fabulous run, full five waves up. It did a peak. People are taking profits in a standard ABC uh, formation. The 52-week range is 13 cents to a dollar eleven. Uh, the volume was low today, so somebody took some profits. But this looks very good, particularly when today's March oil futures are 93 dollars and 82 cents. Oil is up big today. Seven dollars and sixty-two cents, up eight point eight percent. Fabulous move on, on Middle Eastern stuff, but this leader energy has got a got a great chart. I suspect they're going to go much higher from here. Raj um, Chen, can you tell our listeners uh, where approximately what price you recommended this to your subscribers? Uh, I think that's low seventies, uh, just a week low 70s. ago. Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, maybe. Well, just as he Jay, just was low seventies was a logical place to enter after a mild uh, move, and then mm-hmm. it went from low 70s all the way up to a high of a dollar eight. so that was a great call. Okay, we probably have room uh, time to talk about one more energy stock, and we'll go on to the next uh, period. Well, we'll see. Maybe we can get two of them in here. Another pick of chance is Valco, V-A-A-L-C-O, Energy, Inc., uh, E-G-Y down here in the U.S. Uh, talk to us about Valco Energy, Chen. Yeah, uh, it's a simple uh, energy play. Okay, uh, it's oil producer uh, of in Africa, in, in offshore in Gabon, and the company has a you know, fabulous balance sheet, 100 million cash. Uh, they're using their cash to do all the drilling, so they no more dilution for sh- for shareholder. Uh, they're going to drill some very uh, interesting wells uh, this year. Okay, so their market cap only 400 million. So you back up the 400 million, you know, and with one, 100 million cash, you see the, 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 the net asset, the value market gave them very little value, valuation. Uh, they're producing right now at the 5,000 5, uh, 5, barrel per day net. Okay, mm. and then they ha- they're going to drill some very important well this year to supposedly can potentially double that or even more. So it's a company based on the existing production is very undervalued and a very experienced management team and then they, they can you know you can go from a lot of upside from here so that's why I like it the stock hasn't moved much in the, you know for a while so and then it's not well followed by Wall Street no Chen what is it selling at now and what did you recommend it at it's uh, 750 I think it's about the same uh, price as uh, my recommendation I have uh-huh. to check you know, so that's about uh, where I am. It's basically got no coverage on Wall Street, probably because it's got so much money, it doesn't need to raise any equity, so exactly. there's no coverage. Exactly. So you don't. Uh, but they have the internal cash flow to keep building their company and their earnings. Uh, so uh, you know, that's what's not to like about that. What sort of market cap has it got, Chen? If you know more or less. Yeah, about four hundred million. Four hundred million. Okay, Roger, have you got a chart on that? I do. The price on mine is seven fifty, like Chen's. Uh, the range is four dollars and ten cents to eight dollars and seventeen. They had big volume today. Generally, Price did two things. Jay, last November, uh, Price had gone along with a pressure on the top at about six bucks, and then the first of November it blew out in a big rally from six, went all the way up to eight dollars and seventeen cents. 
Now it's in a new higher channel between 7 and $8. And if you look closely on the technicals, I see a continuation triangle within that channel. And usually what happens as price tightens near the end of the end of the channel, you get a pop-up and it jumps up at a new rally, which, in fact, we do predict based upon uh, fundamentals. Okay, we've uh, got another minute or two before the break, so I want to ask Chen another question about Valco. You say it's in uh, Gabon. I think you said uh, off the sh offshore. Do you think there is some um, political risks here that might account for the for the uh, low low price as well? Uh, it's a relatively stable country. Plus, you know, it's uh, it's offshore, so usually mm -hmm. it's very hard to reach for for mm -hmm. the you know uh, for the power for those uh, you know extremists. And so what did you say it's selling at more or less what its cash flow? How much? How many times? Oh, this, this company, uh, right now, currently, if you, uh, it's, uh, I have to double check, probably three, mm -hmm. four times cash flow. So at current production, they're still undervalued, okay? Mm -hmm. But they have some more drilling coming, uh, you know, more. Uh, they're very experienced uh, management team, so they can you know, potentially hit a lot more, which is provide the upside. So you, uh, so you see more upside in terms of production going forward on this one? Right, just based on their current production, they're undervalued. But undervalued, they, plus a lot of blue sky. Exactly. Um, we've got, my engineers tell me, a couple of minutes left. Uh, I'm going to just start on Petrobank. Petrobank, PBG. Talk to us a little bit about Petrobank, Chen. Yeah, this is my recent pick. Uh, uh, it's a stock hasn't go anywhere for a while. Uh, uh, didn't participate in the oil rally, partially because uh, the company distributed out of share their Columbus, Columbia um, subsidiary. They, they distribute the share, so there's a lot of arbitrage. People long and short, long and short. And to be, uh, they basically have two units. Okay, one is a back and play. Uh, you know, those uh, horizontal drilling shell oil play. Uh, another is oil sampling, uh, but mm -hmm. if you back up the the Balkan plate, they only the market only gave the uh, the oil sand a dollar a share, and, you mm. know, which is incredible. Uh, so right now stock is at twenty four, you know, uh, twenty four, and then their Balkan is uh, twenty two, and then each share holding more than one share of Balkan. So they, eventually they will distribute the Balkan plate. And, and then the oil sand will look extremely undervalued to me. And plus, they're using a new technology uh, called Thai, and potentially they can, you know, they can increase oil sand production uh, and then reduce the cost and also can apply the technology to other heavy oil fields as well. So it, it, there's a lot of blue sky there. Chen, have you any idea what their cost uh, per barrel is from the sands now? Uh, to typical oil sign uh, producer, uh, I don't know exactly, but I know they are taking them at least forty to fifty dollar to be worthwhile for oil mm -hmm. sign. For the for them using the Thai technology, last time I checked, they they are like ten dollar, you know, in the low teens their cost. So because there's it's, it's, it's a new technology. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break now. We're going to have a commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Roger about the chart on Petrobank. We're going to also look at another company called Pan Orient Energy Corp. And then we're going to look at one called Mart Resources, which Chen tip of, uh, characterizes as stupidly undervalued. So we're going to be right back after the break. Don't go away. Chen and Roger, much more coming your way in terms of good investment ideas. Don't go away. We'll be right back. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Barkerville Gold Mines, BGM on the TSX.V, is focused on the exploration and development of its gold projects in the historic Caribou Gold Fields in British Columbia. Barkerville's mineral tenure now encompasses over 111,000 hectares, covering the 60-kilometer long by 20-kilometer wide geological belt and includes seven past-producing mines and two of Barkerville's own proposed open pit mines, currently in the permitting process. Barkerville recently announced the acquisition of the QR mine and 900-ton-per-day QR mill. Parkerville Gold began mining operations in February of 2010 and is expecting to produce 50,000 ounces in its first full year of mining. Brigus Gold is a growing gold producer with expected production of about 85,000 ounces of gold this year from its Black Fox mine in the Timmins Gold District in Canada. Next door to Black Fox, Brigus has the exciting Gray Fox Pike River Gold Project. Brigus is also advancing its Goldfields Project in Saskatchewan, Canada, and its promising exploration projects in Mexico and the Dominican Republic. All of its gold assets are in low-risk operating jurisdictions. Consider Brigus as your gold investment choice. Brigus is listed on the MX and TSX under the symbol BRD. Dasha Capital is offering the world's first and only corporate stockpile of rare earth minerals, giving investors the ability to participate in the physical ownership of these critical elements without the associated mining and execution risk. Rare earth elements are used in many industries, from aerospace and automotive to high-tech and green-tech. Dasha Capital is listed on the TSX.V in Toronto under the symbol DAC and on the OTCQX in the U.S. under symbol DCHAF. Please visit www.dashacapital.com to learn more. That's D-A-C-H-A-Capital.com. Crocodile Gold Corp. is a new gold producer with Bite. With operating gold mines in the Northern Territory of Australia, Crocodile Gold produced 82,000 ounces of gold in 2010. Crocodile Gold has significant exploration upside on its expansive land package of 2,500 square kilometres. Please visit our website at www.crocgold.com for more information. Don't let this snappy opportunity pass by. Welcome to the human race. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to Jay Taylor at miningstocks.com. That's the letter J, Taylor at miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and we want to welcome you to the third hour of today's show, the sponsors for the third hour. Thank you very much, all of you. Uh, Gold Bullion Development, Crocodile Gold, Legend Gold Corp., previously North Atlantic Resources, Barkerville Gold, Mill Rock Resources, and Focus Metals. Thanks to all of you for making that for making this show economically viable. And again, I want to thank each of you for listening to this show and making this the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. Well, uh, before we went to the break at the top of the hour, uh, we were talking about uh, the energy stocks, and we introduced Petrobank. Chen gave us his reasons for uh, for his bullishness on Petrobank. That's PBG, uh, the symbol. Uh, Roger, do you have a chart on Petrobank, and could you tell our listeners what the chart looks like? I've got the chart chart open, Jay. The price at twenty four twenty one. We first had lower support at twenty dollars, then twenty two, and then twenty four. Price today did a big pop on the Middle Eastern news from twenty four to a high of twenty five thirty nine. At the end of trading, it did come back again to twenty four. But we're looking at a, uh, a a bull triangle right now. And I see possibly that the price could go up next to 20, 25 and a half, 26 and a half on resistance. Uh, mm-hmm. The trading range on this stock overall was like 20 bucks to 32 bucks. Frequently, a tip to your listeners: uh, if you take your high and low on a daily chart for 52 weeks, add it together, divide by two, that's where price wants to go. That's called a 50% retracement, and it's very common. And we do see it on this chart. 
Okay, another of Chen's picks, Pan Orient Energy Corp. Chen, why do you like that one? Oh, this is a, a typical, uh, another play um, similar to Valco Energy. Okay, it's already have an existing production profile. So uh, it's uh, producing right now a 3,000 barrel per day uh, in Thailand, and then they probably have another, you know, a thousand something behind waiting for permit. Okay, so the so the the stock was, uh, you know, market cap only 300 uh, something million market cap. It's undervalued at existing uh, production. That's what I like. Is like you have a production, you have a cash flow. And then it's it's undervalued at the existing production level, so give you a floor of uh, stock, so the downside is limited. Then mm-hmm. look at the upside. Uh, the company about to drill uh, the most important well in the company history. That's in Indonesia. The well uh, the well will spot uh, next week. Okay, I will take a few weeks to to finish drilling. Uh, the well that next is next to Petro China's uh, giant discovery. Okay, mm. you're looking at uh, a few uh, hundreds of millions of barrels of oil, and then mm. this one well can can you know discover it. It's a huge enclosure. Enclosure is like 20 kilo- kilometers type of a huge enclosure. They drill right at the center. So you you look at this. This is you know, only 300 million you know market cap, and they have existing production. It's, it's, and you just look at the existing production, the stock is undervalued. Plus, they have this huge upside in Indonesia. And plus, they have a Canadian asset, uh, oil sand asset, which is not pricing at all. They're looking for a strategic alternative, which could be mm. enough, could be a sale of the property. So it's like a buy, buy, you know, buy one, get, get two free, <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> so that's what I like. It's from a value point of view, uh, it looks very undervalued, and then getting very close to some important catalyst. Okay, that's the same for Volco and same for Pan-Oriented. And then you, mm. have a, you, know, you have a baseline, and the stock didn't do well in the past year, and then they have a very, very important well coming up. Yeah, very interesting. And folks, I might add, uh, despite Chen's remarkable track record, uh, you would think he must be a gambler and a risk taker, but Chen is quite risk averse, and he just he just pointed out there how, in the case of Pan Orient and and most of these other stocks, Chen usually gets in near the bottom because he is risk averse and he's not willing to pay up and pay uh, premium prices for for stocks. He generally doesn't chase them. Uh, so this is a good example, Pan Orient selling at, at very low multiples, and it has great blue sky potential. So, Roger, do you have a chart on Pan Orient Energy? Yes, I do. I see $6.80. It's fully supported at 650 The high was 692 It's kind of channeled between 650 and 7 in a continuation. But during this last month of uh, February, uh, we see a continuation triangle and probably what will happen here is that it, the price gets to the point of the apex in the triangle and then we'll do a pop-up rally. Okay. Uh, now, Chen likes to pick stocks, as I said, that are very undervalued, and some, like Pan Orient and Valcor and Leader that he pointed out, even Petrobank, are undervalued. But then there are stocks that Chen typifies or characterizes as stupidly undervalued, Chen, one that you have put in the stupidly undervalued care, uh, category is Mart Resources, M-A-U-X-F, uh, in the U.S. markets. Tell us why Mart Resources is stupidly undervalued. Yeah, it's um, uh, the tick symbol, the MMT at Toronto, by the way. Uh, the, okay. uh, the stock is it's trading, basically trading at the less than one times of cash flow. Okay, I, I look at the pan-oriented, at their undervalue, I look at old Volco Energy, but none of those really are treating at less than one time. You know, you're looking at, you know, uh, two, three, four times cash flow. Uh, in general, the market gave valuation to five to ten times cash flow. So this, but this one is treating, really treating at below one time cash flow. Uh, they just made a major discovery. Uh, they, they have, uh, they tested two, four zones, okay, for, uh, 14 uh, thousand barrel per day, 14,000 barrel per day. Okay, they produce from those two of those tunes, and they're just waiting for a new pump to increase, uh, uh, you know, that from 4,000 to 5,000 uh, production. And then they're going to drill uh, two more wells on the, of the same pad, same pad they drill two more wells, because they cannot handle, there's so much oil, they cannot handle that. 
Mm. Uh, so you, you can just calculate it because it's very straightforward. You look at the production already discovered oil. You, you calculate their forward cash flow. It's below uh, the their current market cap is below their forward cash flow. And mm. so what would you look at a stock like this? What will be the catalyst of when the stock to move? Right, uh, it will be earning. Right, earning will come out. Uh, they will first will be Q4 earning coming out very soon, and then will be Q1 earning. Q1 earning will be the current production, right? And then will be Q2 earning, and then you can see that the earning will power up, the cash flow will power up. Generally, stock tend to move ahead of the earning. And the second kind of what, what, what can move is the reserve data. They usually, they have a new reserve update. Uh, they, that will be for the end of last year after they drill the current well, the big discovery. So the reserve can pop up a big time. And then this can come in, in the next few weeks. So they have a lot of catalysts coming, and the company is uh, is pulling a lot of cash flow, and then paying off their debt. It's supposed to be debt free, uh, either by the end of February or March. So and then they will accumulate cash. So I believe the money speaks. Right at the end, the market cannot be, you know, ignore those cash flow, ignore the earnings for a very long period of time. So the stock will likely heading a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let me ask you, Chen, is where is Bart Resources, where, where are their wells located? Oh, the, the, the well located in Nigeria. So I think that <coughs> could be one of the, the risks. Uh, people look at the risk diversion and say, oh, I, don't, I want to be a more secure area. Well, that's the risk you, you take, right? Uh, but Nigeria relatively is a democratic country. They're going through an election right now. I think April will have an election. They don't have... A, those uh, Libya, those people ruling for 40 years now, they, they, every four years they change a leader. And then they have this election, so unlikely they will have an uprising uh, because, you know, people can express, you know, their view, view through the vote. Unless mm-hmm. there's some fraud in the election, that's, you know, that's always a risk. But, but, hey, but they have, but we look at the, the company trading, you know, at uh, Yemen, at Egypt, they have they're trading at five to ten times cash flow as well. So I, I don't see there's too much difference between Nigeria and other those other countries. That's a risk you take. Uh, but uh, but also advantage of being Nigeria is their their oil is a light sweet. It trading at the premium to Brent right now. Brent is a uh, hundred and four, hundred five, maybe mm-hmm. higher now. So they are getting you know close to a hundred and ten in their. In their, you know, oil. So that that that's also adds to the cash flow. Uh, Roger, can you talk about the chart for Mart Resources? The chart is sixty-two cents, and what it did, it it did like a few others we discussed last October. It had a breakout. It jumped. It was about uh, thirty cents, and went all the way up to over seventy cents. It's primarily in a channel between sixty and seventy cents from last November. Uh, but the general trend and move on the pattern is to the upside. The volume today was 413,000. It didn't go off much. It's only off like 5%. When you get a day like today, Jay, when when, when uh, oil, you know, really took off, um, you can see that it, the price did come back from a low just below 60 cents, and it was only off a tiny bit. So generally the chart looks really good uh, from last fall, it's got a very long and mild uh, continuation triangle. hasn't gotten to the end yet, but it looks like it's about to start. Okay, uh, that sort of those are Chen's picks in the energy sector that I have in my new in my own investment portfolio. And well, actually, I don't have Pan Orient uh, or PetroBank, but I have the others. Uh, so, again, from a selfish perspective, I wanted Chen to tell me about those that I own and certainly uh, take a look at Pan Orient and Petrobank as well. Uh, now, though, there's another sector that Chen has focused on uh, that almost nobody else picked up on until and after Chen did. So he was, I think, the, only, the first person in, and that's the paper pulp industry. Chen, when did you enter the paper pulp industry, and why did you get so bullish on paper pulp when no one else could see the value in that sector. I actually I got in uh, paper pulp um, in uh, 2009, uh, or spring of 2009. I already uh, put down in my newsletter uh, CFX uh, that went with was a dollar something. Uh, right now, I think the stock is uh, 16 or 
uh, sixteen dollar. But but that that time, okay. But I uh, well, I, I, I because it's one of the commodity I was looking at. But uh, I really I didn't really you know kind of commitment in pop until the Chile earthquake. Actually, that's about almost exactly one year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Chile earthquake hit hit center of Chile, okay, and and then that's where the pop industry are. And, and then this is one of the world's largest uh, pop industry. The pop price immediately jumped. So I was able to uh, to get in big time into pop. Uh, I look at the pop uh, stock, uh, Mercer and the Timback. Those are the two my top pick and favorite because they are most leveraged. Uh, they all have a considerable amount of debt. So there's a lot of doubt on Wall Street whether they can pay their debt or not. But when the pop price go up, you want to own those because they are leveraged stock, right? Mm-hmm. So be- because the, at, 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 at the price, they are earning incredible amount of money. And then the, the pop price only go higher because of China demand. So I enter those uh, team bag at the dollar thirty or something today, even with the recent correction, is still around $5. And Mercer at $4 something uh, today, right now. Um, it's uh, it's about the thirteen dollar, twelve thirteen dollar. Mm-hmm. So, so that that's my uh, two big pick uh, last year. Hold I held them uh, a big position, both of them uh, for um, for a year. So uh, made the good money, and hopefully for my subscriber as well. Yeah, you've done very well with those, no doubt about it. Uh, Roger, do you have charts on uh, Mercer International? And I've Temple? got it. I've got twelve eighty eight on the price, and they did a big volume today, over a million. They were off a little over 5%, but this stock uh, had a classic pattern for a bull market in that, first of all, from September through December, we had a gradual upslope, which was bullish, and then in uh, January, it made an inverted head and shoulders, which is very bullish, and then right after that, the beginning of February, we got a gap, and the thing just flew. It was about just a little over $8.00 and it went to a high of uh, over $14. It's now mm-hmm. come back about a dollar or so, but you know that's the normal correction stuff you get when you make so much money on a trade. I'd be curious to know what Chen bought the stock at. Yeah, tell us, Chen. I yeah, think you said that. Uh, about a year ago, about $4 something, oh my gosh. Uh, 450 Well, for you went from 4 to 14 it, Huh? Uh, yeah. Yes. $4, yes, $4 and change, and $4, $5. I, I've been... Uh, basically, buying. If you look at it, around March first, there was a huge bump of the stock. That was after the earthquake. I got in right before the bump of last year. Okay, well, that was about a perfect call because the bottom is four. Okay, Chen, can you uh, can you talk to us about um, can can you talk to us about Temback then uh, as well? Uh, uh, no, let me ask you, Roger. Can you talk to us about the chart for uh, for Temback? Let me see. I'll punch it in. T E. And and Roger uh, or Chen, perhaps while Roger's doing that, can you talk to us about Tenback? Um, the the fundamentals for Tenback. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Tenback is a uh, similar. Uh, Mercer is um, a soft pop. Okay. So itself a soft pop mostly used in you know toilet paper. You want a softer toilet paper. Uh, and then you know, uh, people in uh, like China in developing country, they need those because uh, in, in United States, people use it. You know, without a, you know, it, you don't appreciate. But in developing country, people use the soft toilets, soft tissue, uh, paper towel, napkins. Uh, there's a growing demand on that. So there's an estimate that people did. And when China, when when one person moved from countryside, very poor countryside, to city. The, the paper usage increased by tenfold, so that's continuing demand. So that's where the idea came from originally uh, for paper pulp. Yeah, you you had that insight, Chen. You know, I mean, for those of us living in the Western world for so long, the notion that people don't use toilet paper or tampons or things like that that are just sort of taken for granted in the Western world. But when people move from sort of poverty state to middle class, they start to have those creature comforts. I mean, this is probably just one of many examples in China as to why uh, demand for so many material things, so many commodities are just skyrocketing globally these days. And uh, uh, maybe you could just comment on that Uh, in general. Chen, do you see this continuing on for a longer period of time in China? 
I think it's it's probably ongoing, and plus in China, um, they're more environmental conscious now. Uh, they, you know, for example, they don't allow people to cut tree at will, uh, because that creates all, all the all sort of problem, the sandstorm, famous sandstorm in China. Uh, so then there's more, less and less uh, source for the pulp. So China forced to import more and more pulp. Uh, at that time, you know, when I uh, bought those stocks, uh, those are really at rock bottom. People think they're uh, going bankrupt. So like Mercer, actually, it took a while. Like uh, uh, like Roger mentioned, it took a while to take off. So, But I was yeah. able to hold it. I held it for a pretty long time. I also bought some core cool options on the way, you know, to take advantage of the gap. So I mean that also made some money, but I sold too early. So, <laughs> but that's you know sad story. But I, I made money on those. Well, it, it does sometimes take a lot of patience with these stocks, and as uh, you know, sometimes you can see something. Chen, you say sometimes it just takes a long time. Roger, did you were you able to pull up a chart on on Temback? Yeah, I've got it. Five dollars and ten cents. It was in a long channel between a dollar fifty and about two dollars and fifty cents, and then it started to rise in September last fall. It went from like a dollar fifty all the way up to a high of five dollars and sixty six cents. Fabulous move. Uh, in the middle of that, in January. It did an ABC, and then it started to rally once again from $4. The ABC was a high in 5, went back to 4. It based out and then took off again in another rally. Went from $4 to $5.60, 66 cents. And uh, today it's pulled back about 40 or 50 cents. But the price on the pattern is very stabilized. So the price of 5 is your new floor, and we're looking for that for a new jump-off point for the next rally. Okay. That, uh, yeah, one more thing I just want to mention. Okay, is go that ahead, Chen. Back makes specialty pop, which substitutes cotton. That's actually part of the reason cotton rally. Actually, there is a huge demand for Timback product. That's why the stock rally uh, recently, Chen. along with the cotton, it's an alternative act play. Okay. All right. Um, r- let's let's go to another theme. Actually, one more. We've got a few more minutes left uh, before the. Uh, commercial break, and I want to talk about uh, manganese. And Chen, maybe you can pick up on the on this China theme. Talk to us about uh, some of these industrial metals, some of these high-tech metals, uh, and what's going on in China these days that is making these metals uh, so bullish. Yeah, in China, uh, those are uh, pretty fragmented before. So the rare earth, for example, they operate by many, many small mines, mom-and-pop shop, and some shops have uh, a lot of pollution. So basically, government is kind of organized everybody, just like they use those big companies to take over those mom and pop shops, and then so they can do a more standardized, uh, modern, you know, mining. And in the meantime, they want the price to be higher. Uh, what I see the motivation behind that was that China feel, uh, you know, we pay so much for iron ore, so much for the uh, oil, energy, others. So this is an area that China dominates. So it's time to, you know, China return the favor. Uh, so there's a, talking to the mining people in China, there's tremendous move of those rare earth type of mines. So that's a big company. They just take over all the small company, give them shares, and then the shares going much higher because the rare earth price go higher. So it was very successful. So they're looking to expand it. So what I look at the manganese was uh, this uh, EMM market, electronic, uh, electronic uh, manganese. I don't know if I spell it right. Uh, it's 97% dominated by China. And it's very important. Manganese is used for making stainless steel, uh, making battery, and, and, and the United States doesn't make manganese. Uh, you, if you put um, the American manganese and Molycorp side by side, you have you find a very similar um, comparison. They both make a very important metal. They own both own the largest deposit in North America. They are both own the past producing mine, and then one mine will satisfy all North Americans. Same for American manganese. So, but the market cap is about a hundred times apart. So that's why I pick up the stock and say, you know, maybe they have a shot to be a next Molycorp. I know Roger also picked it up. So, um, you know, I will probably ask Roger for the technical side on that. 
Yeah, Roger, talk to us about AMYZF, and what is it selling at now? Well, 69 cents on volume of 715,000. The stock went from 17 cents to 80 cents. I think we picked it up at around 43 cents uh, when I could see things starting to come to a breakout. And right after that, there was a big gap up, and it flew from 43 to 80, and then it came back on a profit-taking event. Uh, the profit was significant. It came back to 69 from 80. But generally, uh, there's good support at 60. There's more support at 50. And the key point here is that uh, this was an old proven manganese mine. The U.S. government operated part of it to get that product for war material in World War II. So it's in Arizona. They've got everything they need there going for them. And this product is in demand. They must have it for, to make stainless steel. So there's no question that they've got a big future from what I can see. Yeah, and I might add that um, uh, I might add that Arizona is a friendly is a mining friendly state. Of course, the big copper mines, some of the biggest ones in the world, uh, are in Arizona. So the uh, the regulatory infrastructure is in place. The other infrastructure that is roads, access, power, etc., which is always so important when you're looking at mining projects, uh, is basically all in place. I see. Uh, that we have just a few more minutes left. I, I, I think, uh, as I understand this, or I'd like to just mention to our listeners as well, that I interviewed the CEO uh, of American Manganese, Larry Ray, and you can watch that interview if you go to jtaylormedia.com. That's without the triple W's. That's jaytaylormedia.com. And click on the uh, videos, on the video button, and just scroll over until you see uh, Larry Ray uh, and American Manganese. And the exploration potential, this, this has the potential, as Chen was pointing out, to become uh, the manganese uh, producer in the United States to meet, to meet our needs. So it, it is a very exciting story. Chen, uh, where did you recommend this stock? And, and we're, uh, it's uh, at 69 cents now, I think Roger said, but where did you recommend it? Yeah, 30 something, I think 35 or something, 30. Yeah. Yeah, and he Roger, got in a little ahead of me, Jay. Between, right at around 30 cents, it started to rock. And I got the story a little later because you had Larry on and also another analyst told me I should look at it. I hadn't even thought about it. But on the strength of what uh, your interview and what this other person said, I looked at it and it made sense right away. And we told our brokers, go ahead and go on an alert. And right after that, it really took off. So our timing was pretty good. But Chen did get in lower. I think we were 43.48, and Chen came in around 33.5. As well, um, because I was able to get in at 36 cents, so Excellent. not too bad. Well, we, uh, we we like to give ourselves a lot of credit, don't we? Well, no, but I, well, when you I get have it, no you, problem you get giving it. You know. I'm sorry, Raj. I say when you get it right, you want to let people know. Well, I guess that's, that's right, but um, we, we do want to let people know, and we also have had some failures. Uh, that is true. All of us have. Nobody uh, walks on water. Uh, not even Chen, who has had a remarkable, uh, remarkable record, as I pointed out earlier. But uh, and that's one of the things I like about about both of you guys. Uh, you know, is, is uh, humility and realizing that sometimes you don't have it right. And I think that's always important. You know, I would also like to say in the last couple of minutes that we have in this segment that uh, those of you out there listening to this show should consult your own financial advisors. Realize that we are providing information. Uh, that we believe is accurate, but we can't guarantee it. We know we're just telling you what we believe about these stocks. Nobody knows which way the stock market is going to go. We see have had some great trepidation about the markets. And actually, Chen, let me just ask you, and and uh, you know we'll talk to Roger about it later. But Chen, you made the remark uh, at the break that you're a little bit concerned about these markets, and you had been quite bullish. Talk to me about it. Yeah, I mean, one of my uh, biggest fear, okay, for 2011, I mentioned a couple of times in my newsletter, is oil go very high, okay, um, you know, go through 100 and then go to 120, maybe more. That's we already have a very weak consumer just start to, you know, recover based on the huge money printing by the Fed. If we have another dip in consumer spending, another dip in housing, uh, that's it looks like another, you know, could be another 2008. Mm -hmm. so that, that's my concern. So, and then today, actually, I, I sent out an alert. I say, you know, I'm concerned about this market because of uh, 
what, what I, my biggest always this always back in my mind the biggest fear that's a, a spiking oil price. So even I invest a lot of in oil stock. I mean, I'm, I'm overweighting oil stock. I'm still very concerned about the sharp rise of oil. You know, because my oil stock only pricing seventy dollar oil, so I don't need a hundred ten, a hundred twenty oil. I just want oil to stay around where it is, so I can make money. <laughs> that's the bottom. Well, that's true. That's true, Chen. But you know, we know that when the general market gets whacked real hard, it can take everything down with it. Uh, Roger, uh, so Chen, you, you had been uh, earlier this year sort of bullish, believing that we would be safe through this year and possibly even into next year. But I guess you're always on the lookout, always, always uh, aware that, that you could be wrong on that score. And then you're ready for an exit. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So to always to be prepared uh, as a trader. So that's okay, I want to ask Roger before we go to break then. Roger, because you are... Uh, you know, a chartist. What are you? What is your thinking? Are you? Are you see this market holding up pretty well? I gather until maybe May or something like that. That's that's what we thought. Uh, today obviously is a little bit scary because the plunge today was quite strong. However, uh, I believe in the fundamentals of what these guys are going to do in New York, and that is this: they've got a flood of IPOs and shares coming aboard. They're going to support this stock market. They're going to push it higher. But it's going to get to the point eventually, uh, either in May or possibly in the fall, when they can't hang on any longer. I think in the fall is when they're going to try to exit all the stuff they sell during the first half. And uh, while today is a little bit strong on the sell side, I don't think we've really violated any, any major uh, lows, which would you know take this market out and really whack it around. Uh, the low today on the S and P's was uh, 13.14, and right around 13.14.15, there is a major support. So, in fact, it can come back. There's no question about that. But uh, like Chen was saying, you got to be wary. You got to keep your eyes open because uh, there's lots of other fundamental factors, some many of which we can't even see at this point, that could jump right in our face. Uh, you know, in the second half of this year, I think we're going to make it to May June, but after that. I'm concerned. Okay, and and those of us who have been around investing, it seemed like it was a one-way street in 1979, uh, excuse me, 2008, and then all of a sudden the wheels fell off the wagon and we lost 30, 40, 50 percent of our of our portfolios in a New York minute. So we want to avoid that if we can, but yet at the same time not give up on the long side. Well, that's all the time we have now. We're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to the CEO of Spear Resources. Don't go away. We'll be right back. <laughs> 